Good morning, everybody. Good morning on this beautiful Sunday. It is great to be in here with you. You'll be out there shortly enjoying the beauty that is this day. But for the next few moments, we have something very special for you. If you are here, uh, perhaps for the first time, I want to draw your attention to this little packet of nice things that you were handed when you came in. Uh, grab this, look at it. If you've never filled this Get Connected card out at the bottom, please do so. It's just our way of being able to know that you are here, know who you are, and help you get connected to this church to the degree that you want to. So if you haven't filled one of those out yet, do so. Tear it off. Take it to the Welcome Center table, which is right by the entryway doors. They will give you a gift. You will like the gift. You will be glad that you did this. And, uh, and that, is, that is a great thing. Uh, what else did I want to say about that? Oh, yeah. If you have not ever done Rooted, we, I just we kicked it off on Thursday evening. There's a, another great group of people doing Rooted. Uh, if you don't know what that is because you've been sleeping through announcements or because uh, you haven't shown up since Easter or whatever, you can still sign up if you sign up today. There's a couple of groups that have enough space that if you go out there and sign up, you can still get in. So do that. Seriously, Rooted is just the thing you got to do. You'll be glad that you did that. So if you haven't done it, do do Rooted. I had LASIK surgery on Wednesday, and so I can see you. Uh, I've worn contact lenses for 21 years, the same prescription for 21 years. And I went under the laser on Wednesday, and it was amazing. But I'm telling you, when you're laying there and the thing is above you, you start to really question your own sanity. Like, like these are the only eyes that I get, and this is a red-hot laser that does stuff that I don't understand, and this is really a vulnerable position that I am in. But, man, I, I woke up the next day, and I could see. It was miraculous. And the only thing that I didn't take into account was I booked this LASIK surgery three months prior on a Wednesday because Wednesdays are the lamest day of the week, right? So, so do it on a Wednesday and it's no big deal. Little did I know that this last Wednesday was like the biggest, most epic Wednesday in the history of professional sports. <laughs> and so... I missed Golden State breaking the single-season win record, and I missed Kobe's last basketball game ever because I had goggles on my face, and I was knocked out in my bed. But what can you say? Uh, as I finished, and the next morning I woke up and I could see, I thought to myself what other people had said to me was their experience, and that's this. Why didn't I do this sooner? Right? I've been messing with these lenses and glasses for 21. Why didn't I do this sooner? I know why, because it's really stinking expensive, and it took me a long time to save money. Uh, but I tell you that because this is one of those mornings, I believe, where you are going to walk out of here maybe at the end of the day or, or a week from now or a month from now or maybe a year from now, and you're going to say that. Why didn't I do this sooner. What we're going to talk about this morning, what we are going to invite you to do as a result of our time together this morning, I believe will inspire you when you look back at some point in the future to say, man, I should have started that earlier. I should have started living that way sooner. This is the good life. And so I am uh, eager to get into this today because I 
just so you know, this is a little like behind the scenes kind of a thing. But every week when we do this, when we gather, we prepare, and I share, Graham shares often. But when I'm preparing a message, I am hoping and praying that I have heard from God, seen something in his word that he wants to communicate to you, and that it's really one thing. Like there's one simple thing that we try to do in 30 minutes together on a Sunday. And that from that one thing, that he would inspire you to take one or maybe one or two or smaller simple action steps. Because I know, you know, you don't grow and you don't go further without taking action. Here's where I get this. It's in the Bible. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And those of you that are maybe newer to church, you know this is true. And this is probably why you don't go to church very often is because you know way too many Christians that just know stuff in their head and don't do stuff with their lives. And you see the hypocritic disconnect and you're like, thanks anyway. I don't need that. But those of us who have begun to put the things into practice to actually live the way that Jesus lived, things happen. It's different. And you begin to see that even though sometimes it's scary, it's better this way. So you're going to be presented with a crystal clear action that you can take 30 minutes from now. And it's it could be a game changer for you. We're in a series called Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And here's the one for today. This is from Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Really, Jesus? You wish that he didn't say that. Did you have to? Now, blessed are you who are poor. I don't want to be I don't want to be poor. And what do you mean? What do you mean by poor? Like I have a rich uncle, let's say. I don't. Let's I have a I have a rich uncle and I don't have what he has. Does that make me poor? No, I'll be poor because he's rich. That's not what he's talking about here. I well, I had my car was in the shop twice already this year, in the first quarter of the year, and I can't replace it because I don't have enough money. Does that mean I'm poor? I eat my cereal with a fork to conserve milk. Does that mean? Does that mean that I am Jesus? I'll be poor. Is that I'm 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 one of the poor people. What this is saying. There's another translation that says, "Blessed are those who are poor in spirit." And what I, the way I think best describes what Jesus is getting at here are these words: "Blessed are you." who know that you are poor. Blessed are you who know that you are poor. And that matters because of what seems to be a very interesting contrast with this next famous proverb. Read this with me. Let's just read this one together. You ready? Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. But Jesus, you just said blessed are the poor. Which, wait, 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 which are you trying to bless? The poor or the generous who are feeding the poor? And he might say both. 
Okay, 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 okay. So you're willing to bless both, but, but which camp should I be in? Because if you'll bless both, I'd rather be just the rich, generous person. Well, are you saying that I should try to be more generous or that I should know that I am a poor person? Yes. You are both. You are. I am. We are both. We are the poor person who's poor in spirit, who knows that we're poor. And we are invited to be the generous person. Because, don't miss this, this is going to be on the screen, generous people are not generous because of their earnings. Generous people are generous because of their outlook. And when you realize that you are poor and that someone else is poor and that we're all the same, you can be generous. Here's where I get that. This is from 1 Timothy. It says, teach those who are rich in this world. That means they have money. That means they have stuff. That means that they're, quote, blessed in those kinds of ways. Probably most of us, most Americans, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Ladies and gentlemen, you are poor, not in contrast to most of the world, but you are poor because God has everything and he has given you everything that you have. That without his richness and his generosity, you are bankrupt. You've got nothing. Practically, emotionally, spiritually, nothing. It's all from him. Even the money that you think you've worked so hard to earn and the job that you've worked so hard to position yourself in get, he's given you the brain to think and the hands to operate. It's all a gift from him. That's the outlook. That, when we get that, that we are all poor, we are all the same, but because he has been rich and generous to us, we are rich. And that he gives us what he gives us. A, to enjoy. You read that too, right? To enjoy it and to be generous with other people. Because we're all the same. We're all poor. In that we're dependent on this God for everything that we have. And once we get that, we can be generous. No matter where we fall on the socioeconomic scale of things. I'm poor, but God makes me rich so I can be generous to others. God blesses us. We bless others as we remember that it's all his to begin with. And when we get this, when this outlook shifts for us, it's a game changer. I have a friend named Liz. 
She's Hillary and I's good friend. She's in our life group. And just a few weeks ago, she was sitting back here somewhere. And we showed this video. We're not going to show it now. We showed a video on the screen about a family who had taken some kids into their home with a, a ministry called Safe Families. Because there's single parents and there's parents that are in trouble and they don't have anywhere to turn. They don't have family local and they go through a hard thing and they don't want their kid just to be picked up and put in the system and they just need a place to turn. Can you watch my kid for a weekend? Can you help me with my kid for a week? Can you take my kids for a few weeks until I get myself through rehab, until I get myself back on track? And that's what this ministry does. And we showed that video and Liz came up to Monica, who leads our outreach ministries here, afterwards, and she said, is anyone stepping up and doing that? Because that should happen here. That should happen here. And if no one else is stepping up, I'll lead it, she said. Because I got an extra bed in the house, and I got extra food in my refrigerator, and everything that I have is a gift from God, so I want to share with other people in need. That's what makes this world go round. That is when we are living in the way that God is prompting us, showing us, whispering to us. This is how we live. This is how we love. This is what we do. That is the outlook. I want to invite Monica up here. She's going to share a little bit more about what this looks like and some very practical, tangible next steps. Can you welcome up, Monica? Good morning. Well, some of you might remember, if you were here in December, the last time that I stood up here on an outreach weekend, and I shared with you about Oakview Elementary, the elementary school in the low-income neighborhood that we work in. And I said that in January, I was going to start volunteering there on a weekly basis for an hour in a classroom to help kids with reading or whatever they needed help with. So I did in January, and a handful of you also have been showing up and serving there on a regular basis over the past four months. And in the third grade classroom that I help in, there are two sweet little girls, Cynthia and Brisa, that always want my help, even though they don't really need it. But they will do whatever they can to be where I am in the classroom for that hour. And a couple weeks ago, I was helping the two of them on their vocabulary packet, and they were giggling and giggling, like third grade girls do, or any girl for that matter, I guess. Um, but they were giggling, and I said, what's so funny? And they said, we have something that we want to tell you, but we're too shy. So we kept working, and they kept giggling, and about five minutes later, they finally said, okay, we're ready. We have something to tell you. And sweet little Cynthia, with her big, dark eyes and her long brown hair and a ponytail, looks up at me and she said, we wish you were our, and they kept giggling some more, and I said, you wish I was your sister? And they said, no, that's too young. And I said, thanks. <laughs> and then I said, well, do you wish I was your teacher? No, we wish you were our mom. And you guys, in that moment, my heart melted, first of all, but I was reminded of why I show up there every week. And I don't know what their home life is like. I hope and pray that it's good. But the point isn't even their home life. The point isn't even the vocabulary words that I help them with each week. 
The point is relationship. And I show up for just an hour along with some of you, and I believe that in that hour, when we're in those classrooms, that those kids are getting a glimpse of the love of Jesus, and they're feeling cared for just because we show up. So that's just one example of us building relationships in our community. And many of you have also been building relationships in our community over the past few months. Locally, we continue focusing on and serving at-risk youth and families, especially these families in the Oakview community and also at Pacific Court at our community center with the after-school programs we do there. We also have stepped into this partnership with Safe Families, like Caleb talked about, and we are so excited to be a church that can provide a safe place for kids and parents in crisis, and it's as simple as opening up your home for a weekend, for a few weeks, to a child while their parent gets their life back on the right track. And you guys, just like Liz, this is a no-brainer for my husband, Corey, and I. We have an extra bedroom in our apartment with a bed in it. We have extra food in our fridge. And so we're signing up to be a host family for Safe Families because there's no reason that we shouldn't. There's no reason that we can't. So you yourself could be a host family or even a family friend for other families hosting these kids. We get to be the church in our community in this very practical way. So today, after service, we actually have a table for safe families if you want more info and how you can join us in that effort. We also have continued partnering with a variety of organizations that help single moms, the homeless, senior citizens, and so much more. So thank you to those that have been serving on a regular basis and making a difference. Globally, we continue partnering with the El Nino Church in Tijuana, Mexico, and we have a trip coming up this next Saturday. If you want to join us, there's still room. And then, as many of you know, we have also begun our partnership with Mavuno Church downtown Nairobi, Kenya, and we have our global resident, Betty, here, which, yes, we love Betty. We're so excited to have her here with us. And then we're also taking a leadership trip to Kenya in a few months. So stay tuned. You'll be hearing lots more about our new partnership with Kenya. So why do we do what we do in the community? I believe that God has created each of us for this life of service, to serve and love the marginalized and the oppressed, to make an impact one person at a time. Jesus tells us to give to those in need, like Caleb talked about, and he also shows us with his own life. In Matthew 20, 28, we're reminded that for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for money. So we're coming off the heels of Easter when we celebrate the resurrection and life of Jesus. But three weeks later today, are we truly living as though Jesus is alive? Jesus didn't die on the cross and raise from the dead for us to be comfortable. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't die on the cross and raise from the dead for us to just sit here and be comfortable. The Bible teaches us in Romans 8 that when we're walking around, driving in our car, wherever we find ourselves, 
that we have that same power that rose Jesus from the dead living inside of us. And you guys, I want to experience that. I want to live that way. And so I'm deciding to take steps in that direction. If we truly believe that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, it changes everything. It shifts not just my eternity, but it shifts my day. It changes us. It changes every interaction, every relationship. It's not just about us anymore, but it's about Jesus living in us and through us. And so we respond to loving God, by loving God and by loving other people. But let me tell you, you guys, this freaks me out. As I was preparing for this morning, I was so scared to stand up here and to share with you all what God has been teaching me because it's not easy to live this way. It's not comfortable. But I believe that it's so much better this way. And so I'm inviting you into this with me. So are we willing to be changed? Will we be a church, a community that lives differently and loves differently? Because if we're not living like Jesus did, how will anyone in this world see him? I recently read a story about a lady and her husband that attended a church service on Easter night. As they were getting ready to take communion, the pastor invited everyone to leave their shoes and socks at the altar next to the communion table to give to the homeless population of their city. It just so happened that her and her husband were wearing their brand new cowboy boots that they had just given each other, their most prized and expensive shoes they'd ever owned. So she shares, her and her husband looked at each other and anxiously laughed, but after struggling, they went and they left their brand new boots at the altar. She says she walked out of the church in the crowd of smiling, barefooted people, and she felt Jesus whisper this, this is how I want my church to look. I want an altar full of socks and shoes right next to the communion table. I want to see solidarity with the poor. I want true community rallied around my gospel. I want a barefooted church. And so in all of this, we see that Jesus launched a kingdom where the least will be the greatest and the last will be first. He brought together homeless with privileged and he said, you're all poor and you're all beautiful. The cross leveled the playing field so no earthly distinction is valid anymore and he's still doing that today. So we see that giving something is ultimately a tool to build relationship. In that story of giving away their boots, I was thinking about it, and it's really not about the shoes. It's not shoes that are going to change someone's life long term. God doesn't need my shoes or my money, but I need to give them away for my heart, for me to become more like Jesus. There really is something significant about offering the shoes on your feet or the sweater off your back. It tells Jesus, 
I'm in. Giving away is somehow sacred, connecting to the sacrificial heartbeat of Jesus. So today, I'm taking the bold step and I'm in. And I'm taking these shoes off my feet to give them to someone else in need. And along with that, 32 other pairs of shoes that have been sitting in my closet. Because someone else needs them more than I do. I'm pretty sure these shoes, embarrassingly so, cost about $300, and I don't need them. And there are homeless people, and there are women in our community that are trying to get interviews for jobs, but they don't have shoes to wear. And so the smallest thing that I can do is give up mine. So this morning, are you in? Each of you under your chairs have been given one of these bags. So I want you to reach under your seat and grab your bag. I want all of you to hold it. So all of us are going to take these bags and we're going to fill them with whatever we need to give. Clothes, hygiene items. <laughs> Thanks, Willie. Really. You got your bag? All right. Hygiene items, maybe the clothes off your back. But the key, and we'll still give this away for Willie. Thank you. So we're going to give this away for Willie, but the key is that you're not going to bring this bag back here next week. Willie's going to take another shirt and put it in his bag, and I know that Willie already has relationships with people in need. And so you're going to take the bag, you're going to use it as a tool to have a conversation and to build a relationship. Because it's way easier to just bring it back here, right, and say, have fun, Monica, you can give those things away for me. But you're not going to bring it back. You are going to build a relationship and give something that God is asking you to give that might be uncomfortable to someone in need. So what are you holding tight to? What are you going to give? Maybe it is the clothes off your back. Maybe it's the shoes off of your feet. Maybe for someone sitting in this room this morning, it's your car keys. Maybe it's offering up your home to be a safe place for a child in crisis. Maybe it's your time. Maybe the need is actually the person sitting right next to you. So even if you came here today feeling like you have nothing to give, I want to challenge us to believe that every single person sitting in this room has something to give, that we can all open our hands and give something to change a person's life. And you guys, I'm in this with you. I had a conversation with a lady on the patio after first service, and she came up to me with tears in her eyes, and she said, God is shouting at me, and I know exactly what he wants me to put in this bag. But she said, I don't know who to give it to. And so we want to help you figure out who to give it to. Come chat with me or one of the volunteers on the patio, and we would love to hear your ideas, your dreams, your questions, help you figure out what you're going to give and who you're going to give it to. Because I know it's not easy and it's not comfortable, but this is the step that we're taking, and it's exciting. Are we content just sitting here in purple chairs on Sunday? 
Or will we go out and be the people that God has created us to be? We've been talking about loving God and loving others. And so this morning, we're going to have a song, and we get the privilege of hearing from a few of our dear friends that sit in this room with us on Sundays that are going to give you a glimpse into their lives and their stories of how they've said, I'm in, and have been giving of their time serving in our community. So take this time to reflect on what God might be asking you to give. Hi, I'm Donna. I grew up locally and graduated from Ocean View High School, which is close to the Oakview neighborhood which back then had the name Slater Slums. I didn't know what that truly meant, and even though I would drive by all the time, I never gave it a second thought. That is until I started to attend Mariners Huntington Beach. During Rooted 2014, it was mentioned that Mariners had many serve opportunities in Mexico throughout the year. I flat out knew traveling for a mission trip was not my calling, again, not my calling and I didn't have a desire and was not open to serving in Mexico. Friends who know me knew that I would do just about anything else before going on a mission trip. Many times I felt guilty that I didn't have that passion for serving. I began serving with Mariners by attending several planning meetings for the Oakview Christmas Extravaganza with Monica and the team from Oakview. The day of our first meeting was the first time I drove into that community which I had driven by for over 40 years. Yes, 40 years. There I had the privilege to meet several young women who attend Ocean View and live in that community. They were real girls. I now am honored to serve at Oakview regularly. I truly get blessed by serving. Little did I know God would open my heart to serve in a community in the city that I call home. It couldn't be any closer in likeness to Mexico, but I don't have to travel somewhere far to serve. I can drive and I can even ride my bike and serve here locally in Huntington Beach. Hi, I'm Cheryl. After hearing someone speak about the fact that future prison population numbers are determined by the number of children reading below grade level when they enter ninth grade, I decided to begin volunteering at the Lighthouse Community Center at Pacific Court. I knew that I would be able to help children with their reading, but didn't realize that God had so much more in store. This is my third year volunteering with the children of Pacific Court, and yes, we do homework and tutoring, but in our time together, we see this so much more about the relationships than the studies. One family in particular has adopted Kevin and me as their American family, and have even begun calling us Grandma and Grandpa in Arabic, which I won't try to pronounce because I will slay it. Um, we have gone to school performances, Girl Scout and grade promotions, field trips, and have even been called on to help when the family car was broken down. We were recently able to celebrate with this family as first the parents and then the children became U.S. citizens. This experience at Pacific Court has shown me once again that when you step out and serve God, the blessings that he pours out on you are so much more than what you yourself are giving to others. Hi, I'm Betty. Three years ago, in 2013, I was lost, empty, confused, and was consumed and disillusioned by a lifestyle of partying and drinking. I got tired of that life and I wanted a way out. So I searched and accidentally ended up in a rooted group, which we call Mizizi, in my home country, Kenya. 
honestly, I went to just check out what this life change business was about. Rooted was quite the experience for me. Seven weeks into the experience, I dropped out. I was afraid of the new life that I felt God was calling me to. So I went back to my old lifestyle. But God, in his own grace, gave me another chance. And in the same year, I chose to believe and I committed my life to Jesus. Next month, I was invited by my former Rooted facilitator to serve and I immediately started volunteering as a core facilitator in the Rooted experience. I loved, people, I loved seeing people's lives transformed and I desired to see more of that. I prayed about it and God gave me more responsibility. What that meant was that I had to quit my paying job and join Mavuno for their one-year internship program. Part of the program meant that I had to raise support because the church only paid us a stipend. At the end of last year, Pastor Kevin, who some of you know, the lead pastor at Mavuno Church downtown, asked me to consider coming to America for an extended period of time. I'm engaged. So you can imagine, it was a hard decision for me to make. I felt God leading me to put my life on hold and so I did it. I put my engagement ring in my bag. I took a leap of faith to see what God had planned for me here in Huntington Beach. So here I am with you guys who are so precious to God that he would ask me to put my life on hold so that he can show you that he loves you. He sees you and he's available to you. My question for you today is, are you open and willing to allow God to interrupt your plans, your financial plans, your time, your comfort, and sacrifice for the sake of someone he loves? Imagine with me if we all took the opportunity to partner with God to touch people's lives, there would be so much more hope in this world. <laughs>